What? Oh, oh. Shout. One second, please. Welcome to Designated Driver, the podcast that explores the work and mystique of Adam Driver. And today we're talking about 65. And I'm Liz. Oh, yeah, I'm Aaliyah. So it's been a minute. I know. Do we have any news? Well, there's so much news. Okay, one thing, Adam Driver's wife, Joanne, is pregnant. Yep. I'm hoping it's a girl. I think we both are. Me too. I'm hoping it's a girl because he already has a son. Adam Driver with a girl seems really cute. Maybe that is like really gender binary outdated thinking, but... I'm into it. I'm old, so yeah. I think we've both talked about how... We want Adam Driver to have a more feminine influence in his work. Yes, you know? yes, so I yes. And so this could really be a good thing for him. So we're, we're hoping it's a girl, but we'll be happy no matter what. Yeah, hopefully the pregnancy is going great. Hang in there, Joanne. Yeah, Joanne's 40. Good for her. Hang yeah. in there, Joanne. You can do it. I had twins when I was 39. Yeah, they'll tell you it's a geriatric pregnancy and make you feel like an ancient organism it's fine yeah i mean i feel like doctors uh no offense to your sister at all and she's She's not not an american doctor whatever age you are i think you always feel bad do you think i don't know because i was never a young mother i was always a geriatric or just any person yeah just our medical art system we have always makes you feel bad yeah i think that's true Unless maybe you're like a marathon runner and you go in and they're like, great, you're doing great. Yeah, but, but then why would you go in? And also then they're still like, but you have a woman's body and there are things we don't understand. So we just want <laughs> you to take the pill because that's the answer to every problem that a woman has. Just take the pill. Until you get near menopause age yeah. and they're like, you definitely can't take anything. This is just a thing that's going to happen. That's exciting news. Baby on the way. I think it's interesting that they've never revealed the name of their son, which is fine. You just sent me some clips of Adam Driver Uh, on Seth Meyers' show. Yeah. And it was so funny. And he was talking about his son and telling stories in a much more open way, I think. I mean, they kept it so secret for such a long time that I feel like we could almost find out the name. Yeah. I mean, I I don't really care. I think we can call it just Baby Adam Driver, you know? Baby Driver? Baby Driver. That's a movie, even. it is a movie. I just like seeing him again, you know? He's been gone for a while, and we haven't seen him, and now he's back, and he's as charming and just low-key funny as he always is. That was a great conversation they were having. Mm. I have been thinking about Stephen Colbert, who I think is great, but... I think his interviews are often very awkward. Mm-hmm. Like I just watched one with him and Pamela Adlon. Adlon. Oh, I love her. Yeah. Me too, because I'm watching better things, you know, so the best good. show in yeah. the entire world. It was so awkward. We saw one with Adam Driver and it was more awkward. Is that the one where he had the red on the bottom of his shoes? Maybe. Just a little. Yeah. I mean, awkwardness is fine, but. But wasn't. That also the one where he had the little Star Wars dolls and he had him reenact things with Star Wars dolls, which I thought was kind of funny. I don't remember that. Mm. I don't know if I saw that one. In other news, Adam Driver's shutting down his foundation. 
Which seems kind of sad for arts in the military. It's called Arts in the Armed Forces. Okay. I was was close, but thanks for that little correction. Uh, We strive for total accuracy on designated driver. As I get older, I forget shocking amounts of content, but every once in a while I can pull something like that out of my head that I haven't thought about for months. Yeah, I think it's all in there. I think I heard an analogy one time about why it takes longer for you to think of something when you're older. It's just because you have so much information. It's like searching, searching. Do you ever like think of something 20 minutes later? That happens to me a lot. So so the foundation going down. I think it's Maybe. because Joanne was running it. And she's pregnant. And she's so, pregnant yeah. and they have a kid and she's like, I'm done with this. Yes, I think you're totally right. Do we have any other news? It's the Oscars tonight. I don't think there's going to be an Adam Driver appearance. He's not up for anything. No, definitely not. White Noise didn't get any nominations, right? I don't think so. Yeah, and we're fine with that. I know one person who liked it, and it seems like everyone else found it to be 100% unwatchable. I don't know Pretty unwatchable. Yeah, I don't know anyone else who even saw it. My mom brought it up. She's like, I tried to watch an Adam Driver movie, and it was, I couldn't even watch it. She was talking about white noise. I mean, I don't think it was that bad, but... Oh, my God. Wait, here. Side note. Speaking of unwatchable Adam Driver movies, I went over to a friend's house for dinner who will remain nameless. This friend... Because I would get jealous? (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Just because I'm about to say something... Slightly we're going to cut unkind. this later, no. right? No, no, no. It's not really that unkind. Okay. Just shout it out. I was over at my friend Heidi's house. If our friend, if friend of the pod, Craig, is listening, he will know where I'm going with this. So Heidi mentioned that I have a podcast because I said I was going to C65 this weekend. And her boyfriend, Rob, just going to shout it out. Rob was like, oh, Adam Driver, have you seen This Is Where I Leave You? That's yeah. a great movie. What? I know. <gasps> And I was like, absolutely not. I disagree. And then other party guest Roger was like, yeah, that was a good movie. And I said, no, it's not. We gave that one comb. I wonder if anyone is ever noticing if they newly discover our podcast and notice we don't have an episode Mm -hmm. for this movie. We did record one, but I turned the power off on the recorder before I hit the stop recording button and it just was erased. It wasn't saved. But we were kind of fine with that because we We both hate it. it. We both hate that movie and think it's terrible. In every way. It had so much promise. It had some great performers in it. But then some of the things that they did, because then I was like, how could you like a movie that knocked Cyndi Lauper? Because there's this whole part. Yes, where he, where Jason Bateman's character is with the like quirky yep. woman who turns out to be his Rose girlfriend, Byrne. and they're at a skating rink, and they're like, "What is this weird song?" And they're playing "Time After Time." Oh, that's one of the best songs ever, ever, ever. And I was like, the person who made this did not know their audience, first of all, and second of all, is just wrong. Like, why would you go out of yeah. your way to write that into a movie? <laughs> Yeah, to have a the wrong opinion about Cindy Lauper. Yeah. She is the coolest. You know, I've seen her live before. Can I brag? Mm-mm, no. This I is she was great. looking back over my life of seeing shows. This was 
Double Bill, Cindy Lauper, and Tina Turner wow. at Summerfest in Wisconsin. So it was, it was like a state fair type thing. It was not crowded. Amazing. And I have got Cindy Lauper up in my playlist now. I know you still listen to it. She's so unusual, which I think was one of my, the first tapes I ever had. My mom got, I remember when my mom got the record and we would oh, listen to Oh, that's cool, record. mom. Yeah. There's some songs on it that are, like I put the whole album on my playlist so they'll like come up randomly. There's some songs that are bizarre and weird, but um, time after time... Every song on that album is excellent, and okay, I just, I just need to give it more time on the ones I didn't like. It's all good. <laughs> okay. And some of you may know that in addition to Adam Driver, one of my all-time favorite special people is Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. And I... You say Pee Wee Herman, you don't say... Uh, what's his name? Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens? No. Okay. So I know on the credits of the movies, it's Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. Okay. You know, he and Cyndi Lauper are really tight. And oh. the this only came out recently, but on Pee Wee's Playhouse, the theme was always this like weird person that nobody knew who it was. But it's official. Cindy Lauper just came out and was like, "Yes, I sang the theme song." That was a pseudonym, but it was a oh, secret for years, so cool. years and years. Yeah, they're obviously kindred spirits. Mm-hmm. Cindy Lauper. She's married to like some movie producer or something. Oh, I have somebody no in the business and. I read. I came across that in something. I don't remember the full bit of trivia there. I'd like to read her memoir. Same. I really would, because mm-hmm. like when she got famous, she was hooked up with that like pro wrestling guy. It was like her manager, and he was in all the videos. I believe that. That's the memoir I want to read. Yeah, I would totally read that too. I know she's definitely like a real Brooklyn kid who like that never goes away. Chet got really into watching on Netflix for a while. They had this incredibly stupid, it was a Mario show that you could tell was Saturday morning cartoons from like the 80s. And I don't know if you remember, but they they had these two dudes dressed up as Mario and Luigi, but they're just like these old guys who aren't very funny or aren't very good rappers, but I think they're from the wrestling world. Mm. And they, anyway, so they would do these like, like incredibly unfunny skits as Mario and Luigi and then they'd introduce like and now the legends of Zelda or whatever. Jack got really into it. Every once in a while they would have a special guest on and Cindy Lauper was on all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I loved it. <laughs> what do you mean by a Mario show? You know, Saturday morning cartoons in the 80s would have yeah. it would be like an omnibus and there sometimes would be like a host that would like kind of just do interstitial stuff between each cartoon. That's what this was. It was like these two actors pretending to be Mario and Luigi, like not very convincingly. And they would do like dumb skits like, oh, Luigi, where did you put my pizza? You know, (laughs) and then they'd be like, and now it's time for the Mario Super Show, you know, and then they'd show the cartoon and then they'd come back and be like, wasn't that amazing, Luigi? And then they would do a little thing and then they would show the next. The Mario and Luigi characters, that was part of the past, too. They weren't, like, modern people. Oh, no. Okay. They were, like, dudes from the 80s, and they made up this terrible skit and a really bad dance, or this rap. It was a Mario rap, and they would do it at the end of every show. It was so bad. But every once in a while, they would have these stars come in, and oftentimes it was Cindy Lauper because I think she was their friend. I just want to see, like, a supercut of just the Mario and Luigi parts. 
I'll send you the wrap. You'll die. It's okay. terrible. <laughs> okay, good. So do we have any any more Adam Driver news? I am very fascinated by how there was a real train derailment in Ohio. Where yeah, toxic... you have been thinking about that a lot. I, re- I read all the articles. It's kind of one of my pet stories that I read about. And some of the people that are affected by this, the real toxic plume, were actually extras in the movie White Noise, which I think is pretty amazing. So DeLillo, or that guy, he clearly has psychic powers. He can predict things that are going to happen 30 years later. This is a side note, but when I was in Chicago visiting friends, I have one friend who's kind of woo-woo-y about things. She's the one who first got me really into astrology, and her new thing is human design. Did I tell you this? No. I don't understand exactly what it is, but it has something to do with your horoscope and like the year, the time you were born and the way that you engage with the world. And we found out your it, rising sign no, no. is what you just defined. Okay. I know, but it's but it's a different thing. Okay. And it has something to do with your body. Like when you do the chart, it's like like an outline of head and shoulders, and it shows all of these pathways to your heart and your spleen and stuff like that. So she did mine, and she found out I'm a manifester. I realize as I'm saying this, I sound like the whitest wo- white woman that ever was, but only like- You are a redhead. I know. That's the whitest white people. I know. Watch out, world. So like 9% of the world is manifestors, but manifestors have this quality where they are sure about trends and things that are happening in the world. And everybody else's job is just to listen to what the manifestor tells them. I'm telling you right now, I'm also a manifestor. Well, I don't know because it's very (laughs) rare, Liz. Only 9% We found each other. That's quite a few. And so you should listen to me. I'm the manifester in this room right now. So I'm you can't. You, you just can't say we're both manifestors. No, you don't know what you are. <laughs> well, just by the description, I can tell. <laughs> it's not how it works. I am a manifester, okay. and you are undefined. And they can't be in the same room together. No. So but I need to get one of these ASAP. I know. A human design reading. You can. You have to know the time you were born. Yeah, I know it. Okay. I have known it. Okay, so go look it up. But I promise you, you're not a manifester because I'm a manifester. Anyway, Don DeLillo. Side-eyeing that, but go on. Don DeLillo might be a manifester. He manifested the toxic incident. Do you think so? You think he's to blame instead of the railroad company? Well, it's probably Instead of Trump (laughs) deregulation. (laughs) Probably all of that. I mean, you've been doing more reading. I'm just telling you as a manifester what might have happened. Well, manifestors, are you saying they create the things and make them happen or they just see the trends? It's like God or whatever is out there. Things are happening in the world and they are channeled through me to all of you. I don't really you know, understand it. I looked it up last night because I was thinking about making an Instagram account that's just things that I think are important. Like yeah. every day I'll do a different thing. Yeah. I just want to say that I don't believe in manifesting, though. Because, I mean... Me neither. That's what I mean. It's like the In the new age way. Because I, I think it blames people for... Then if things go bad, it's like they manifested it. Yeah. You didn't manifest it. Right. It's something bad happened. This is life. Human beings, bad things are constantly happening. 
You did not manifest it. Not your fault. 100%, as the young people would say. Also, yeah. when white women manifest things, then they think that they did it all by themselves, but really, like, they had a college education and family mm-hmm. connections and yeah, income the real and all things. that stuff. The most successful top-tier people are always, like, in Scientology, being like, I did this all myself. With and my alien had... guidance. Guidance? Guider? Guardians? Is Don't that Scientology? in their head? Aren't they? Aren't we all aliens, according to Scientologists? I don't know. I should know. I tried reading that really long article in the New Yorker, but it was it was so long. I didn't yeah, read, that's I didn't, the problem with New Yorker stay. articles. They're yeah. too long. For me, in, in my attention span. Also, the modern. font. I find the font mm. makes me sleepy, kind of. Oh, it's oh, that's interesting. The font makes you sleepy. Yeah. Good. Good to know, as a graphic designer, that that's part of it. It's too lightweight. What fonts do you prefer to read? It looks like italics, like zzz, like like it would be this font you would use for saying someone's sleeping, like a zzz. <laughs> uh, well, I feel like we have a mutual friend who does these human design readings. It's Anna Lee. Oh, I thought I you, you told me. She does. Too. I thought you told me that she did that, or no, she maybe, maybe it was other, Nadine told me. She does. Because um, I have heard of this before. She does Reiki. She probably does. Yeah, Anna Lee would get along really well with this high school friend of mine. The point that I'm trying to make is all of you should be listening to what I say, and I think Don DeLillo might be a manifester like me. Mm-hmm. And me. Yeah, you don't know that. <laughs> What are the other options? I have no idea. The most important thing is that I'm a manifester. I'm here to tell you. You're the only manifester in this room. Yeah. I looked it up last night. Only 9% of the world is manifestors. But that's almost 1 in 10. Well, I didn't think about it that way. So there's... But there's only two people in this room. Yeah, but there's like five people in this house. So double that. There's still only one one manifester, (laughs) statistically speaking. Okay. And it's me. If there were 20 people in this house, well then I would be the other manifester. <laughs> so that's all that needs to change. You know what? At the pickle party, we could do like a survey and see how many manifestors are at the pickle party. Yeah, we should do human designs. Yeah. You the... can get an, there's an app for it. I'm going to do that today. I'm okay. not going to wait if I can do that for free on the internet. You're going to be like, damn it, Aaliyah was right. I'm not a manifester. Uh, it's going to be something else. Like, it's going to put me as... In... You're going to be like a peon. I'm just kidding. See, I know. <laughs> You're just like, it's just uh, so above me with this. No, I mean, a lot of my astrology things, like, make me a beast of burden, like Chinese horoscope. I'm an ox, oxen. I'm a dragon. You're a dragon. So are my twins, and they're Sagittarians, just like you. You're so similar. What's your rising sign? Do you know it? I used to. I think it's a. I think it's Leo. Oh, okay. It's I'm a really I can see fiery. That. And I'm you're yeah. Very fiery. And you're into hair. Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So should we start talking yeah, yeah, yeah. about sixty five? Do you want to do the recap? This yeah, is an yeah. Easy one. This is a really easy yes. One. This is like the easiest one to recap ever. Sixty-five million years ago, there were other civilizations on other planets that were advanced enough for space travel, and they had super good technology, but not a good healthcare system. Did you read the A.O. Scott? 
review. No, but I was <laughs> telling it. Yeah, I was really telling funny. Joel and Chad about it. I was like, it's not America, but it was a lot like America. Okay, you go. <laughs> Adam Driver is married and has a beautiful daughter, but she has some illness. So he has to take a job for more money to fly like a two-year mission through space to do whatever. I don't know why would he have on the spaceship people from his own planet cryogenically frozen? Yeah, unclear. But he was the only one that wasn't frozen because he would be piloting. And they were just, I don't know, had to fly around for two years exploring. But if it was exploring, why, when we talk through it, I bet the holes, it's going to be so easy to poke holes in it. Why were they there? I thought he was like taking them to a new colony. Yeah, I don't know. They're from some other planet. Well, they That's no, they were weird. from like different a different part of the planet, like the upper right. peninsula. So if they're, they t- yeah, but if they're from the same planet, why were they on this mission cryogenically frozen? It's probably easier to transport people when they don't have all these needs. But why know? are they on there at all? I, I don't know. That's unclear. There's a lot of things that are unclear about. Can I also just say that yeah. it was really funny that the indication that the daughter was sick is she'd be like, oh, daddy, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, she looked perfectly healthy except mm-hmm. for this tiny cough. I guess it was bad. He's got these cryogenic bodies on a spaceship. There's an asteroid field that was uncharted. And so it starts destroying the ship. The ship gets cut in half and crash lands on a planet and it's Earth. But they don't know what it is or anything. <laughs> Excuse me. He thinks all the cryogenic people are just dead because their, you know, pods exploded. And But it turns out there was one that had a live person, and it was this young girl. Koya? Koya? Koa. Koa. It's real swampy, and it turns out there's dinosaurs because it's Earth from 65 million years ago when it was dinosaur times. There is like an escape pod or whatever they just have to get to because it split in half yeah his main ship way over in this other part up on a mountain and the girl's parents are dead but she doesn't know that and then they have this additional deadline seemed like they didn't have any food or anything like there's like one scene where she's eating something that looks like a breakfast bar oh okay they had bars so they were probably fine there because they had some emergency rations. But they had to get off Earth because the asteroid was going to hit the Earth in 12 hours that is the one that destroyed the dinosaurs. We think. We, we don't really know. Oh, special note. We have a special bonus today. This is big. We have a paleontologist coming in to answer some of our questions about the dinosaurs and the asteroid. So we're not sure if that asteroid is going to destroy the dinosaurs, but we're pretty sure. This is another thing I I also read articles about, and I feel like they're getting they're pretty sure that that is what it is. But I'm interested in the um, paleontologist's perspective on it, not just the New York Times articles, because that's not the full picture, clearly. Indeed. Okay, so they're like on a they've got to do this stuff and other things that we, you would say. She doesn't speak English. Um, okay, right. She do, They don't speak the same language. And there's like no uh, translator thing that, or it's 
broken or whatever. <laughs> and the way Adam Driver's character responds to that is just by talking louder. It was really funny to me. He never tries to learn her language. He's just like, move, yeah. move. He draws a he sprinkles red powder on a tabletop and then draws with it, with his finger. That and then that was how she started to learn his language, which was English. The only language. Like, conveniently for Earth. us. That's all it is. They're trying not to get eaten by giant bugs and weird things that can go in your mouth and trying to make their way to this pod to escape. And that's what the movie was. It was a very tight plot. 90 minutes long. Yeah. Pretty short. I think we can start letting it out there that I think we both enjoyed it. Absolutely. And it didn't try to do too much stuff. It was so super basic. Mm -hmm. And all the plot stuff they would spell out on the screen, like with big letters. And even the the part where it was like, it had 65, the logo. And at one point they're like, million years. <laughs> in case you did. Did you get it? In case you haven't figured it out. 65 refers to million years ago and everything was like spelled out in words really big on the screen they were just trying to do one simple thing get to the escape pod and get off the planet before the asteroid hit and or before the dinosaurs ate them i guess it was kind of like a video game this is yeah. going to totally be a video game for sure that's why yeah. they made this movie probably it's a video game but it was really satisfying to watch because it was just so simple i was worried that like at some points they were going to keep going too long and it was going to start getting boring but they didn't do that there were some jump scares a lot of those with like dinosaurs jumping out there was like quicksand <laughs> hilarious we, I, we were really into that i was really into that part i thought it was funny did yeah. you watch the little clip of him yeah talking about yeah. quicksand because that was a big thing in like 70s and 80s scooby-doos gilligan's islands it reminded me of like an 80s tv show in that way it was just such a simple premise but it was also clever satisfying <laughs> combined spaceships with dinosaurs and like all the previews were these like sci-fi related like dungeons and dragons movie vampire yeah. movie weird movie where parents hire a sex worker to sleep with their yeah. that was really that was what weird. When we got in there, at, like for the first five minutes that we were in the movie theater, I was like, did we go into the wrong theater? Because there was also this like horrible living dead one. And there was one about a yeah. pope and a, oh, yeah, and, the like, pope. a kid possessed the pope's by the exorcist. Devil. Yeah. Which makes my brain hurt. I'm like, who, so who the pope was possessed? But they keep showing the clips and it was like a child. Yeah. And they'd show a pope. But it was a kid that was possessed. I don't know. It seemed to make no sense. I think that one's going to go right to video. That's my theory about that. But like <laughs> The Pope's exorcist. Yeah, because it's like too confusing. So the first time I even got my phone out like an old person and turned on the flashlight and like checked our ticket stubs. Because I oh, was like, is are this, we in the right movie? Who is this for? Because the movie is rated PG-13. And as we know from watching Adam Driver on Seth Meyers, he did it for his son in mm -hmm. some... I think he did it because he needed a big paycheck. But that's fine. I don't care. But these movies that it were that they were previewing were like 
very scary adult movies. I was traumatized by that first. I know. The first preview right when we walked in. I was like, I don't want to see this. No, like this mom gets possessed by this evil. It was really scary. Like we've taken the kids. Well, we take our kids to where we watch PG-13 movies, even though they're only 10. And like we went to um, Thor in one of the Thor movies in the theater. And there was a preview for it was a movie. Okay, who's the guy from Saturday Night Live who dated Kim Kardashian? Oh, he just Adam, quit. No, no, Pete he's Davidson. pale. Yeah, he's in it. It's called like Body My Body, or the word "body"s in it at least once and possibly twice. Anyway, it's like a horror movie, and this was a preview. But we have our kids, and we're like, "Oh my god, it was way too scary." Actually, I want to watch this movie with the kids. We're gonna have to wait till we can watch it at home because yeah. do not bring your kids because the previews are super scary. I really want to see that vampire movie, though. I thought that looked pretty funny. It's yeah. like a vampire comedy. Yeah, Perfect. and Nicolas Cage is in it, and I'll watch him in anything. And the guy from... Nicholas Huff, I think is his name. About a boy, yeah. He's cute. He's cute. I just wonder, if he, was he working... So he's a, in that role as a child. Was he working the whole time, and now he's... And we just didn't know. But now he's seen in so many things. He dated Jennifer Lawrence, who was also in a preview we saw. Oh, yeah. She's the one. And I feel like what a big fall for her. She's in the, like, okay, so the parents. And one of them is Matthew, Ferris, Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Who is the mom? I don't know. They hire her to, like, have sex with their son, quote, date him, well, because he's going to go to Harvard un- and he's too sheltered? Yeah, I think it's unclear. She was like, do you want me to date him or date him? And they're like, date the shit out of him or whatever i, I thought don't feel like they were saying that oh i felt like they definitely were but she was wearing all these sexy outfits all yeah, the time she's, and like because she's sexy trying to seduce him mm, i didn't think that i thought for sure that but anyway it seemed like this movie it's so dumb but i mean it, it looked kind of funny mm-hmm. it just seems like jennifer lawrence would be kind of like better is she yeah. having trouble getting roles yeah or? she's there was, seemed like a step down, I thought. Google just shared with me, I think because we were in that movie theater, this article about how Jennifer Lawrence has gone from being Hollywood's darling to the most hated woman in Hollywood or something. She is? But why? I don't know why. I don't know because I didn't read the article. It was just clickbait. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. Mm-hmm. I love The Hunger Games. I also like the one with Bradley Cooper. I do too. Silver Linings Linings Playbook or something like that. That's a bad title, in my opinion, also. Because if you have a title with, like, an apostrophe S in it, it's not good. Like Mm -hmm. the Pope's Exorcist. Yeah. That's a rule. Try to follow it. But Silver Linings Playbook doesn't have an apostrophe in it. Oh, it's not Silver Linings. It's just just Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. That's that's awkward to me. That's a mouthful. Yeah. I, I agree. But I do like the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she and well, her debut it was in uh, something Bones. Bone. That was good. I didn't see it. Maybe it's just fun to do a movie like that, or yeah, maybe why she not? she doesn't seem to be getting maybe like the top good. tier. Yeah, it's fine. And same with Adam Driver doing a movie like this. And yeah. this is actually this is what we want to see from Adam Driver. Yes, I think that's what I was thinking too. Everything. Can I just make one more Go. comment about our movie going experience oh, yeah. that I made to you while we were doing it? 
This is the first time we've seen an Adam Driver movie where someone hasn't just wandered through the movie theater holding a pizza. Yeah, where it was fun. Yeah, and there were like lots of people there. It was. It, more, it felt was totally normal. Us. It felt totally post or pre-pandemic movie experience. Shout out to friend of the pod, Robin, because yeah. she gave us a gift card to AMC, so we went to see it for free. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, it was a really good experience and just what you want, except for the previews. I did like seeing so many previews and then kind of hating them mostly and being like, I'm never going to see that. Yeah. I mean, but it was fun to see so many previews. Yes. Once I got over that first one. And it was... it's also fun. I always like going to the movie theater and getting Diet Coke with different flavorings in it. And I just That really was amazing. That. Yeah. The Coke machine at Roseville Mall was really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never seen that before. I got ginger lime and it was very good. I wonder if the movie theater has something to do with it because we went to the Mall of America for House of Gucci. That was, I loved that movie theater more. Because of the it. seats? Or? Because of the seats. It they just felt nice. like deluxe. It did, yeah. It was deserted, though. We were yeah. like the only ones there. I was fine with that. Did we see one at the Icon? Well, we saw Don DeLillo at the Lagoon. We saw oh, the okay. white noise at the lagoon, and it, it was also deserted. Lagoon is probably al- almost always deserted. Maybe Especially not on a Saturday uptown night. Uptown is like a ghost town now. I know. Uptown, sadly, is really mm-hmm. grim in Minneapolis these days. Everything's closed, and it's a little scary and deserted there. I think the mayor should be doing something about this. Ooh, that guy. <laughs> Adam Driver in this movie. He's yeah, let's, let's get into so it. many qualities we enjoy. Number one, of course, his hair was really great. Mm-hmm. And you know when he goes on the shows, the talk shows, he always has it like slicked back. Why? Yeah, it I mean it looks in his face, kind of curt, wavy, yeah. a little dirty. Yeah, that's such a good look. He had a sort of a mustachey goatee thing. I never when, really liked that, but I'm I'm okay with it. I like. I thought it looked good, and he was. Operating spaceships, so Perfect. it like harkens back to Star Wars and Kylo Ren stuff. Loved what he was wearing. He was dressed for action. Yep, yep. like a tight. I don't know what Rambo wore, but kind of it was like a light beige. Yeah, uh, it's just like a knit shirt. shirt. It was very tight on his arms. Yeah, and you could really <laughs> they see showed, his muscles. They showed a lot of muscle. I kind of wondered in this movie if. There was going to be like shirtless. It kind of seemed like it might have a shirtless element, but it was instead a very tight shirt. Yeah. And I was fine with that. <laughs> and yeah. then like tight pants and like a holster belt with stuff in it and then like a backpack. And a big gun. I hate guns. It's uh, not like a but, real gun, though. It was no. like a laser gun. It was a laser gun. I hate real guns. But there's something that is satisfying about seeing Adam Driver with a gun. I, I'm sad to, to say it. it's like the military training. Yeah. But also, of course, he's a good father. Yeah. The he good loves father his role. The loving, strong father that maybe everyone wishes they had. Yeah. Just speculating. I don't know. He was that. A lot of running. Yep. A lot, a lot of, of athletic stuff. Yep. No horses or anything, obviously. Strong, man of action, really getting out there and doing it. Very physical, no nonsense. I loved that. That's, um, yeah. I love that Adam Driver. Man of action that you don't hate, and he's also 
nice and he's a yeah he's a good father big spoiler here his daughter died while he was gone so this is kind of like a surrogate daughter but like when she realized that her parents were dead and they were like on this tight deadline because they had to get out before the asteroid hit he gave her time to process until she was ready it just was like good parenting where you would be tempted to force the child onto the that's what i would do <laughs> you know you're like, like we can't get on wait the ship. and i would grab him and i would pull him yeah it was kind of unrealistic yeah but i think that everyone i'm sure watching this movie would be wanting to do that just like just grab him and force him in there but then it seemed like she was gonna run away mm-hmm. and that just added more suspense so it reminded me of back to the future have you seen it recently at all yeah i've seen it eight hundred thousand <laughs> times okay so you know they have to hit the thing at midnight or like at a certain time when the lightning is gonna strike and then like a million things keep happening to prevent it and just the suspense going up and up and up and then up again where it just becomes like funny and this was kind of that way we're just mm-hmm. like there's the suspense of the dinosaurs, and then the suspense of the asteroid coming, and then the suspense of, is she going to run away? And he's going to... So they kept adding suspense after suspense, where it kind of becomes humorous, but not enough that you can't stand it, and then the movie's over, mm-hmm. and it has the ending you, that you want. Mm-hmm. I'm like, thank you for a movie that's the formula, yeah. or you like kind of know what's going to happen... It's fine. Super basic, fun movie experience on the big screen. Yes. That's what I wanted. Yep. I didn't know I wanted that. I didn't want to be challenged. No. Intellectually for one second. Yes. Totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. My Sometimes I think people knock like rom-coms and they always say they're formulaic. And I'm like, I don't really care if it's a formula. I just want to enjoy it. I don't want to have to worry about what's going to happen. I just want to enjoy watching the actors get to where they have to go. And that was how I felt about this movie. And I didn't want like a gut punch at the end where like the girl dies or something. You know, I didn't want to deal with any horrible emotions. I just wanted to have a fun time at the movie. And it totally delivered. Mm -hmm. My only thing that I wanted is... I feel like there could have been, because at the beginning, I actually was like, are you a good father? Like, you have a daughter. Why are you being so brusque with this poor kid? You know, she doesn't speak your language. You're just yelling at her to move. Like, settle down. I feel like they could have added one more humorous moment just Mm -hmm. to let him show his humanity and for her to engage with him and them to have a sweet moment. But that's my only quibble. Other than that, I was like, he's running around. We're seeing him do what he's doing. We're getting all of the big moments. Like, he, you know, there's a part where she holds his hand and his big hand is yep. around her little A big hand, hand and a small hand. Classic and, Adam yep. Driver. Totally agree. He's strong. He's kind of... I was also thinking about in Girls, remember when Jessel looks at him and is like, he really is like the original man. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at it and I was like, here he is. He's a man on earth. He's the first man. And he's, he's out the there and he's man. doing it. Yeah. He's the original man. Did they make this movie for him? They're like, it's got to be Adam Driver. Yeah. I think he was like, I need a paycheck. My son likes dinosaurs. Let's get it out there. And then they were like, we're going to make a movie with dinosaurs. We want Adam Driver. Here we go. 
bam, bam, bam. Done. Yeah, it was just such a great match. And it made me think about, well, the other two movies that we saw in the theater, which I sort of left the theater just not feeling great and wishing I would have felt a lot better. And House of Gucci. That made he me feel was, really bad. Adam Driver was a bad father. He just totally abandoned his daughter. Because I was sort of thinking, is Adam Driver always a good father in every movie? Is that typecast? But he was a bad father in House of Gucci. He had a daughter. He didn't care. Just didn't care. Totally abandoned the wife and daughter. White noise, he's a good father. But the movie was so just, eh, you know, just going to make you feel unsettled on purpose. But I didn't want that. I still want movies to be more than this in general, but it was fun. It was like going back to the Star Wars mm-hmm. days of Adam Driver movies. Yeah. And none of it made any sense. Like, I will just say, <laughs> even as I'm thinking about it, there are so many things where I was like, that made no sense. But it didn't matter because he believed it. The kid was there. Simple. Okay. So the dinosaurs, they seem to be running at like 200 miles an hour. <laughs> I mean, this is always a thing in movies. He's like running human speed and then like trips over a log, hurts his foot. So he's limping. But somehow it still takes five minutes for the dinosaur to catch up with him, where obviously the dinosaurs would have eaten these two in one second. And it was a little too predictable when they were in the spaceship. They found the pod, space pod to escape on. But then a dinosaur came and like, knocked it over and it was upside down and then it said the spaceship said and it's always like a woman's voice like on it's like a voice that tells you directions on your phone yeah the orientation of the ship can't launch or something like that and then then there's like t-rexes or whatever all around and i'm like i bet one of them's gonna knock it the right way and that's exactly what happens so sorry for that spoiler but it's not really in this case it is not a spoiler because it's so obvious what's gonna happen i knew that we knew but then it's so obvious Mm -hmm. when it does happen then i think there's satisfaction there yeah it's fine i guess this is the same thing too like when he fell in this quicksand (laughs) i was like here comes the quicksand he's dead (laughs) yeah because one of the reviews said it was just kind of like a pastiche of other movies. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is just like the part in The Princess Bride when, you know, in The Princess Bride when they get stuck in the quicksand and then he gets a vine and they pull him out. And then she comes, the only difference is she gets to save him, which I like. She got to save him a couple times. Oh, yeah. But she drops like a little branch in there and gets him out. And then he hugs her like they're so close. But then when the dinosaurs are chasing him, I knew this was going to happen, too. He runs through a geyser, and the dinosaur gets stuck in the geyser, and it reminded me of The Princess Bride when the rodents of unusual... I've just watched The Princess Bride Okay, and I don't remember it, so I can't add to this, but... So they get stuck in the forest of no return, or whatever it's called, and in that, they have these fire geysers, so this rodent of unusual size is attacking him, but it's the same thing. He hears the spout coming, so he rolls it over into that, and it gets stuck in there. So I knew the same thing was going to happen with the T-Rex, and I was like, this is the Princess Bride all over again. The T-Rex gets caught in a geyser, and it gets all gross and burned up and, like, meaty-looking, remember? I don't remember it, and I'm trying to get the girls to watch it with me sometime. But the geysers, do you think that they were like acid? Is that what they were trying to say or just hot? It was just really hot. Oh, and it was burning. I thought they were like made of acid. So here's the thing. 
if a dinosaur goes on a geyser one time, it doesn't kill them. But if it goes on a geyser two, <laughs> two times, I didn't it's think that's totally what it was. I thought that the first geyser was like a little geyser, and the second time oh, it was like a size. big geyser. Oh, okay. I thought it was just like the dinosaur had enough like scales to protect it from one geyser attack, but then like if it had a second geyser attack, then it was just going to... Then it killed it. Mm-hmm. It was a really nice mix of the two of them both being heroic. And I liked the moments where it showed how it helped to have a big person and a small person. Yes. Working together. Yes. And that they could solve problems they couldn't. So many. There was actually quite a few situations where smallness mm-hmm. really helped. Well, just like in Star Wars... The Millennium Falcon is the best ship because it's so skinny because every time it's getting chased, you're like, okay, you need like a crevasse, a really skinny area so it can just turn to the side and then all the other ships just get blown up because they can't go in the skinny spot. Totally. So that was also satisfying. I guess my only other like quibble is that I wish the gun had made a sound that was like pew, 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 (laughs) you know. Because it was more like. (laughs) it's a really fun movie Uh, do you want to rate it listen I think I'm feeling soft but I'm going to give it five stars for the whole experience it's everything we want even though that's what I said even though okay here's my one thing like you and I have counseled Adam Driver and Adam Driver if you're listening we still want you to do movies with women directors and we still want Mm -hmm. you to plumb those depths and I'm still going to give this one five combs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Five combs. Also, we have, okay, I have, there's two other Adam Driver things, qualities that we see in this movie that I just thought of. Is We have Adam Driver crying. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to have him cry mm-hmm. every time. Just like if Claire Danes is in a movie. Ugh, she cries she's too much. the top at ugly crying. Adam Driver cries. But it wasn't like a marriage story cry where it was really, like, awkward ugly crying it was just like touching crying it was noble tears (laughs) noble tears and also another thing i enjoyed was when he was in the space suit i don't know what it was about the glass like flattened out his face in a weird way that at first i was like is it still him but you kind of got to see like ugly adam driver and i don't mean ugly is any kind of term of abuse i love to see the angles of adam driver where he's less of a leading man handsome and when he was in that suit you got to see that too and Mm -hmm. stuff from the side where you know is he doesn't have that like skinny neck and like jaw that sticks way out like most celebrities like most famous actors do so i always love to see that agree so and he was kind of like sweaty and i know it was everything i wanted (laughs) I absolutely agree wholeheartedly. This is one of my favorite Adam Driver movies. I I just read a review by A.O. Scott. (laughs) He's like, he hated it. He just said how uninteresting it was and that it couldn't even be terrible because it's not even like good enough or like bad enough to be terrible. I thought there could have been one paragraph. I mean, he's not wrong that this is not the smartest movie you're going to see, but... I think it has a lot of charms to it. And I thought there could have been something about that. And I think it was just, in the times we've been living through, the perfect thing for the moment. Best yes. picture, I think. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to, I loved it. 
I will say too, did you watch the Seth Meyers? He brought Adam Driver brought all the kids in his building to the premiere. What I didn't I see know. that. See, I feel like he's just leaning into being a dad. Yeah. And and you know, we know all the kids know that he's been solo and they say hi to him in the building. So why not just lean into that, have a good time, make something the kids will watch. I'm fine with it. Well, I really want to be a kid in his building. Me too. That sounds really fun. So A plus, five combs. Stay tuned. Next up, we're going to have Alex the paleontologist to give us some commentary on whether the dinosaurs were totally fake or pretty realistic. Yeah, we have our feelings about it, but we're going to get an expert opinion. BRB. Welcome back. We have our first special guest in the basement at Designated Driver today. It's Dr. Alex Hastings, my colleague for two more days at the Science Museum of Minnesota. And this, I think, is the only place where our interests overlap. I'm pretty sure that we have no other common interests here. I, I could be wrong. It's got to be a couple things. Cookies. 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 I mean, everyone you know, loves cookies. Right? Yeah. So, Alex, welcome to Designated Driver. Thanks so much. It's an honor to be the very first guest on your show here. That's awesome. I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we were talking about 65. Liz and I have shared our opinions. And I guess top level, maybe we can start with sort of your general take on it. Yeah, it was fun. It was a movie and uh, had some neat stuff in it. <laughs> it's... Uh, I don't know, visually, there's there's a bunch of kind of neat in different ways. They sort of had the space travel and the, the first planet that they had there, some dinosaurs and some creatures of some kind. It was uh, it was an interesting, fun time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know what? I don't think I even mentioned that you're a doctor. Maybe we should cover that. Yeah, do you want to talk a little <laughs> bit more about... Yeah, so I am... Uh, the title is Fitzpatrick Chair of Paleontology at the Science Museum of Minnesota, effectively the curator and leading the Department of Paleontology at the Science Museum. So this is very much in the wheelhouse of everything that I do and live. So this has been kind of a a lifelong passion. It's now my career. So I am heavily invested in all things ancient life. So that's where a movie like 65, 1 million percent catches all of my attention. So I was definitely happy and eager to be there opening night for it. And you went with a bunch of people who work in the paleo lab with Of you. course, yeah. So I opened it up to our paleo group at the museum. So not only we do have two other members of actual staff in the department, but then we have a number of volunteers as well. And a few other people are just kind of interested in paleo that also work at the museum. So I kind of sent out the invite and we had a group of about, I think it was like eight or nine folks out with us, which is a fun way to watch a movie anytime. So yeah, it was good. Totally. Liz and I were talking about how it was really fun to be in the theater this time, and mm-hmm. there were other people there. We've gone to see a few Adam Driver movies where it's pretty much <laughs> the been us. There, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a good movie experience. Mm-hmm. Right. And there was definitely a bunch of other folks that were just there for the show, too. Yeah, same for us. In your office, did everyone know about this movie coming out? Everyone was fully aware. Oh, there was a buzz the second the trailer dropped the okay. first time. So, yeah, we had been talking about it for a while and kind of getting together. Okay, well, like, what theater are we going to go to? What showtime? Like, that kind of, yeah. We were well prepared in advance for uh, making it to it. And have you seen any other Adam Driver movies? Seen three Star Wars movies with Adam Driver. Okay. 
Enjoyed his performances on Saturday Night Live as well. I don't know that I've seen other Adam Driver things other than his one appearance in many mentions on uh, John Oliver's show as well. Yeah, that covers a lot of the bases. There's yeah. about 30 other movies, but... Right. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, He seems to have some range in the kinds of projects that he does, which is impressive. Should we ask you first, because of how fantastic his hair is, we review on a comb scale. So we went, listen, I don't know if I want to blow. No, I'm going to just tell you. We gave him five combs. Okay. Okay. And we agreed. We don't always agree. Yeah. Okay. How many combs... I'd probably come in about three. Um, that's maybe because I'm less personally invested in his hair. Um, but as far as kind of how the whole thing comes together, we can we can get into some of that too. And can you think of like what for you would be a five comb movie? Five comb movie. If you're gonna go with the direction of bringing it to Earth, sixty, what they call sixty five million years ago, to have a bit more realism to it. I'm usually really good at sort of separating the scientist and enjoying the experience. This one, I think me and everyone that was with us uh, had a lot of trouble doing that this time around. There's a lot of very grand departures from from what we do know in the past, and it's really hard to separate that out. So that that's probably what, what took it down to a three. Otherwise, I mean, dinosaurs, spaceships, that's my jam. Like, that has like a lot of the things that I absolutely enjoy very, very thoroughly. And I'm one million percent glad that I went there and we had a good time. So, okay, one word, feathers. Go. Feathers. Didn't see them anywhere. Feathers are known to be in a a lot of different groups of dinosaurs, most particularly the ones that are uh, most closely in the evolutionary scheme of things with birds. And that includes the quote-unquote raptors, which we did see in the movie. So we saw a few things that probably should have had uh, at least some degree of feathering on them, but did not. I've been told that feathers are a big pain and therefore are very expensive to animate. Mm. And that was one of the big arguments why they didn't show up in, in the Jurassic World movies until the most recent one. And even then, it was really just on a couple of the non-feature dinosaurs. So that might have been kind of at play. I kind of got the impression that, um, and I, I don't know who directed it, but uh, that their sort of vision of it was kind of this, trying to, to play up sort of the otherworldliness of it all and, and kind of giving things that might surprise you and kind of going for this sort of scaly monster kind of look, um, which may not have lent itself well to feathers, but that was one of the things that didn't seem to line up with what we do know, but... So, yeah, yeah, I wanted to see some feathers, some chickeny type of, cool. and especially the ones that fly. I mean, they probably had feathers. Do you think? So is that what you mean by the raptor about, ones? Yeah, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> so, so the flying ones they had in in the the movie, there actually is a, an animal that uh, lines up pretty well with what we saw in that. That's called Sungaripterus. It's a flying reptile. They're in this whole group that's kind of similar to the Pteranodon, which is probably what people are more familiar with for flying reptile with the big head crest thing. Um, but because it kind of had this scoop shape to it and a longer crest and actually had like little bitty teeth in their uh, jaws, it actually lines up pretty well with the thing that did exist. It was from China, from a different place. We can get into that as well, but it seemed like this all took place in specifically North America. So it starts to center it in the kinds of ecosystems that we know are around there. So the kinds of things you'd expect to see. So when you start throwing in stuff from other places that also starts to confuse the situation. 
those Sungaripterus flying reptiles are actually not even, they're not even dinosaurs. They're even less closely related to birds than even something like a T-Rex. They did not have feathers. They did have uh, this other kind of body covering called pycnofibers that are sort of these like vaguely rod or hair-like things that would actually cover their body. They're thought to have been fairly insulating, so kind of keep them warm, especially if they're going to be at high altitudes and stuff. Um, so it would give it a bit of a different look that wouldn't really look all that feathery in the end. So the fact that those didn't look all fluffy didn't, what was actually in line with what we know from the past as of this point. Are they the ones that kind of look like pelicans? Kind of, yeah, okay. yeah, a little okay. bit. Yeah, those were cool to see. I like those. So I didn't even think about how they would be in North America and then they would have different dinosaurs. Like, So we, you think they were in North America? So, well, the big reason is they seem to be at basically ground zero for the impact. So they'd be um, like in spoilers, Mexico. if you didn't know, by the yeah. way. That was a big question we yeah. had, but we're, we're, we're fine with spoilers. Yeah, well, I feel like if you're, you if you're listening everything. to this, you know what yeah. you're getting into. Which, actually, I really liked the ticking clock aspect of it. So that part really hit me like... You know, not only are there the dangers of, oh my gosh, there's all these things trying to get us, let's get out of here. But then you have that extra, there's something very big and disastrous coming to us very, very, very soon. Since we know where that landed, which is on uh, the Yucatan Peninsula, so we're in kind of that part of Mexico that juts up towards the Gulf. Uh, we know we're in North America, so that gives us kind of a, a frame for where uh, we are and therefore what kinds of things would have been alive at that time in that place. In North America, you do get some of the, the big icons like T-Rex are from North America right at the end of the extinction, of, uh, up to the extinction event. Not known from anywhere near Mexico, but you, know, you can start to kind of, some of these things might have kind of expanded out. So there's a little bit of kind of leeway around that that does line up a little better than, say, something coming over from China that's not known for coming over to North America. Climate-wise, if you're talking about what would have been pretty tropical Mexico. It instead seemed a very cool temperate climate, which I think they filmed in Oregon. Yeah, I um, think they did too. Which, which looks like that, right? Um, and maybe but, Louisiana? Weren't they talking yeah, about Louisiana a swamp? was in there too. And there was that swamp scene in the beginning and they might have kind of played into that there. Would have been a lot more like that. Very kind of hot place and they didn't seem to really go in that direction. So, okay, so now I, I have some other dinosaur questions. Yeah. Their bodies looked really long to me. Like, they didn't look... I mean, I am not a dinosaur <laughs> they person. Did. They did. But they looked more like lizards than dinosaurs a lot of the mm. time. I don't know if they were supposed to be a T-Rex, but the arms are usually really short yeah. versus, like, it wouldn't be standing like a dog. Was You're that right. one totally made up? Com completely in every single way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's... And that was a huge animal, too, right? So this was, like, this big scene at the end. There's this big, giant, like, basically a... A large four-legged T-Rex, if you can picture it, with like big arms. Nothing like that has has existed. About as close as you can get are this group called uh, the Rawasukids, which are these sort of crocodile relatives that go back to the beginning of the age of the dinosaurs. Those didn't get anywhere near that big. That's about as close as you can. Even that really doesn't line up very well with that. So you got this big giant creature coming in for the big climax there, and that was invented essentially. But you were talking about the, sort of the, the long kind of scrawny things that moved a little bit weirdly yeah. and kind of um, those were also uh, entirely made up in every way. And these were like brought up a couple times and they were sort of not the, the villains per se exactly, but the 
problems that they had to deal with on a couple of occasions there. It was is inventive in that they, you know, is something you're not used to seeing, is something a little kind of unnerving in the way that they moved, but it, it's not based on on anything that we know of. So it's a creation for that effect. They were pretend. They were pretend. <laughs> They're pretend animals, which I suppose, to be fair, the entire movie itself is for pretend. At least the spaceships yeah. were accurate. As far as we know. Yeah. As far as we know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so there was a T-Rex, though, or there were, like, I think two T-Rexes uh, towards it, the end. I, I thought oh, there were the three. There okay. might have even been a third one in there. So there was something that lined up decently well with T-Rex specifically. And they had small arms. And they had small arms as well, yeah. Some of the, like, subtle features in the head were a bit different, but most of those you can kind of get past. It did fit pretty well with T-Rex. So that, the, the Sungaripterus, there was also the creature in the cave, Lines up really yeah, well with uh, that he and, that attacks him. Yeah, yeah, and it has this like funky little head crest thing and this sort of beaky face. That actually lines up really well with a dinosaur called Oviraptor. And there's actually a whole group of these. You know, there are some that are even in that size. Um, none of them would we have any reason to think were cave dwelling, but it still actually is a thing that lines up well with something we know. Now that one is from like Mongolia, although it has some relatives from North America. So maybe we can give them that one too. And then there were raptors. There might have been, I think there are two kinds. It's like one with like a long skinny jaw and then one that was kind of a little bit more boxy. Like the little baby one? Yeah, yeah. Like the one that got killed in the in the beginning. Lined up well with some of these smaller raptor dinosaurs, raptors in quotes, like Troodon and sort of like a, a smaller version of maybe a young Utah raptor or Deinonychus. There's parallels with those. So the bigger ones that really stepped away from that were the, the big one at the end that had the the four legs. Then there's there was a really weird one that had like a wasn't very big. It had like a T-Rex head and an ankylosaur club tail in the, the same The one that dinosaur. they pulled out of the mud. Pulled pit. out of the mud, yeah. It was yeah. turtley looking. Yeah, like, it was that nothing really has existed. It was very cute. And then and then it got brutally murdered, um, which I suppose is what nature is, but uh yeah, that that's not a thing that's existed ever. How yeah. many different types of dinosaurs did you notice? Uh, yeah, I guess I should have been counting all along here. Uh, so in terms of ones that have been known, you've got the T-Rex, the Raptor, the Troodon, the Oviraptor. That might have been it. And then Sungaripterus is a flying reptile. And then you've got at least three other kinds of dinosaur-like things that were created. We're about eight or so, and there might have been a couple others that got sort of background scenes. I think there might have been one really big flying reptile for, like, brief moment in there. One other thing that was really interesting is that I didn't see plant eaters. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. about that, too. There were <laughs> yeah. no chill dinosaurs. Yeah, everything yeah. was eating another living animal, yeah. I kept thinking about Jurassic Park, and if you are enjoying the dinosaur content... A long time ago during COVID, we watched Jurassic Park and we did a track live with Alex and two colleagues talking about dinosaurs and kind of giving a play-by-play. It was really fun. And I learned a lot. So I was thinking about a couple of things like the part that's so touching in Jurassic Park is when he sees the triceratops and he's leaning against the triceratops and it's so gentle. And I was hoping that there would be something like that. But then I was also thinking about all the things they said about the dinosaurs, like especially when they're stuck in the ship and the dinosaur can see them and you see its big eye. And it reminded me of the little kid who's in there and they're like talking about light and movement and what Mm -hmm. they can and can't see. 
There were absolute, what seemed to me very clear homage sequences to the mm-hmm. Jurassic Park World series. Uh, I'd say the waterfall scene is another big one. So there was a scene where they're in the cave and there's a waterfall and the T-Rex kind of sticks its head through that. Um, not only did that happen in the second Jurassic Park movie, that was actually taken directly from the book. The first Jurassic Park book had a waterfall sequence where the T-Rex, so that like struck to me as, as very much of that. Um, I would say the the footprint scene as well, where he sees the big like Rex footprint, has, was also done in Jurassic Park and kind of evokes a lot of that kind of uh, anxiety building for this big creature that they end up revealing. So I think it did take some some fun little nods from the Jurassic Park World series. Some of the time when they were running, I was like, maybe if you don't run, like maybe if you stay still, they won't <laughs> see you. Because isn't that what happens in Jurassic Park? Like they can't see. Yeah, um, and I don't even is, know if that's real. Or how not. can you tell that from? You're right. How could you tell from bones how something could see? Is so, that made up? Uh, all right, we, I, I can absolutely <laughs> go into the whole dive of. Uh, so the vision based on movement thing was in the the original Michael Crichton Jurassic Park books. That's where they got that from, and then played into the movie, and then they kind of carried it on a little bit with the newer movies, but that's definitely not where the scientific thinking is. I'm not even really sure it ever was, to be honest. I think this was sort of an idea that Crichton had put into the book based on some things in nature, but not sort of where we, we even thought dinosaurs were at the time. One conceit that you can give them, though, is that in the Jurassic Park book and movie, They used amphibian or frog DNA in order to kind of fill in some gaps there. And when you think about frog vision, they don't process information the same way that we do. So the the going thought on how frogs process visual information is things basically fall into three categories. Run away from it, eat it, or it doesn't matter. So if you can fall into the category of it doesn't matter, it's going to ignore you because it's not going to run away from you and it's not going to try and eat you. And that's basically it. And that's kind of where they're taking that to sort of create this kind of great drama of being like right next to a T-Rex, but it's like not actually getting it. So it gives you this kind of like surprising, like, oh, all right. And then we can play with that, which is kind of neat in a narrative, but not actually really based on, on what we have understood about vision in these things. So we don't really know how dinosaurs see. Is that what you're telling us? I'm saying uh, we have a very good idea, and it's uh, very unlikely that it's in any way based on movement. Because when we look at real big predators, that's not how it works. So there's a lot of animals that will kind of do this sort of hiding, and there's a huge benefit to actually not being dependent on movement for finding your things. Um, Another big thing I'll point out is that T-Rex has had very good senses of smell, and a lot of predators do. In the book and movie, it had its face like inches from the guy, and even if it was blind in both eyes, it would have known exactly that there's something right in front of it. It's not limited to one sense by any means either. The fact that they didn't use that for the movie, that doesn't trouble me in any way. It could have been, I suppose, a nod to Jurassic Park. It would have been just following that and not anything else, but... I thought the back to the footprint part that this was in the beginning when he crash lands and then he like sees the footprint and we were joking about like how slow the movie is like how it spells everything out so much and it like it showed the footprint for a long time and then it cut away and then like showed the footprint again <laughs> we're like again. yeah we okay got it. We got it. big big foot <laughs> Was there more than one footprint, or was it just literally one track? Because I don't remember <laughs> yeah, just seeing one. any other. We just saw one. This they do in movies all the time. <laughs> just one. It, it, this catches me every time, too. You're like, 
unless it's like barren rock all around and like one little muddy spot, like then you could explain one footprint. But otherwise, how, how did one footprint get there? I was always been like, oh, yeah, it's a dinosaur hopping along. Yeah, just whoo, and then yeah. What did you th- think of the geysers? Yes, I had yeah. questions about the geysers too. Okay. Was it hot water or possibly acid? I don't know how in the world it would be acid. Uh, you could get hot water. For That's sure. not a thing. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know geologically how that would occur, but insanely scaldingly hot water is is believable. And there's plenty of places where you know you can get these geysers are a real thing. They don't tend to explode explosively like that. There are a few famous examples of that, and I suppose. Maybe it's possible. I don't know that there's any reason to think this part of the world had that, especially at that time, but it's a thing that occurs in nature, and sometimes geothermal heating can be very, very hot, so maybe, maybe. plausible. Yeah. Okay, so what I'm hearing is you weren't impressed with the dinosaurs. So maybe could you share with us, like, one thing that you thought was accurate and one thing that was totally laughable and everybody in your group was like that is ridiculous plausible things were there any plausible things there are some plausible things of what they presented the flying reptiles were were pretty well done um and that they behaved in in ways you would expect and you even saw them going along a coastline and that actually is pretty accurate that even that there would be a coastline around there and, you know, nothing about their behavior or their look, as long as you go with this kind of Sundaripterist and you give them the conceit of them, them being from China, fit really well. And that felt good. It was nice to see things like that in really good detail, you know, on a big screen. Things where I'm pretty sure all of us just kind of started laughing. <laughs> just because the, like, stretched out weird creatures that kind of had bigger back legs and, and front legs that kind of slinked along with their, their butts in the air felt a, a little so far off from anything that we would have anticipated that it was, it was funny at that point to us. And it missed the mark on that one, for us anyway. I think the technical term is a dogosaur. Yeah. For that. I mean, you That's can, what you I've can heard. go with that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about the creature that was in the girl's mouth? And how exactly did he kill it? I didn't understand any of that sequence. (laughs) And there were a lot of bugs that I had questions about. There was a bunch. And we're we're talking about, like, we we couldn't come up with any good examples. But the insect fossil record just period is not good because they're little squishy things that never fossilize. Hardly ever. So there are some cases of it. I don't know that anything that was on there was anything that we've known. But also there's... To be fair, it's particularly for insects, even more so than dinosaurs, there's a lot that we don't know. I'm certainly not an expert either to know sort of how far back the different lines of insects go and how many of those do go back to the Cretaceous. So there's nothing there that's sort of red flagged for me, per se, as, as being unbelievable. And, you know, and it sort of ups the anxiety and the horror aspect of it, I guess. It To me, so he had taken like one of those little perimeter things and like had fired a very like short burst thing, I guess, that went only into the bug and not into any part of the girl and just exploded that out, which allowed her to, I guess, get enough air to spit it out or whatever. Yeah. It was a little weird, yeah. Yeah, that made no sense, kind of. Yeah. Like, it was was really really gross, though. You see this thing go into her mouth, and then she's like foaming at the mouth. It looked like he 
broke a piece of glass in half and somehow touched it and that just like killed it. I thought he had like pliers and he pulled it out. I oh, guess it just it goes to like show. It seemed like it fired. Like yeah. he snapped it and then it did a little, uh, his hand jerked and the somehow blew into goo and which to be fair is basically what is in the inside of bugs is basically goo. Anyway. There's a lot of goo in it. There are a lot of bugs, like the thing when the bug is on his neck. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. I guess you can't really speak for 65 million years ago, but I there was like supersized bugs, bugs and it was just to be gross. Yeah. I think. So it seemed like they're sort of billing it as a like suspense movie or or even maybe a horror movie. And I noticed maybe, and this might have been different for your theater, but they played a lot yes. of horror trailers. <laughs> yes. A lot of them. Yes. I was we like, oh, like, what movie are, are we, we seeing the right now? Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I didn't know we were going with the horror vibe on this, but I think they might have been at least kind of trying to make it a scary movie. In yeah. the end. And that's, you know, getting that visceral feel yeah. from that kind of thing. I feel like scary, but not too scary, because if you watch him on his publicity tour for this, we were talking about this, mm. it's PG-13, right. and his son likes dinosaurs, and he was talking about that. He took the kids okay. in his building to see it. Okay. So again, like you can have gross, but not scary, yeah. and so like I feel like they kind of have to throw that, that in there, too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think my kids could watch it at age 10. I could totally watch it. So there was also, there was another neat thing in the the swamp scene in the beginning. You see this kind of like ridged back come out of the water a couple times. Oh, yeah. That seemed like Star Wars to me. So Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly, exactly from like... The garbage disposal. Back. Well, I was going to Empire Strikes Back, so the this the second of oh yeah, the, the swamp. Uh huh. They're in the swamp on Dagobah, and there's this like thing that just kind of comes out, and you don't really see any more of it. And then like R two D two gets sucked in and spit out. It seemed like straight out of Star Wars. Yeah. Which is still kind of a fun, you know, it's obvious sci-fi nod there. That's cool, too. I have no idea what creature they were trying to envision through that. I appreciate the Star Wars nod, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't follow up on that. That was just nope, a... never saw it again. Just like in <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah. 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 Can I ask like a big basic science question, Please. which is I feel like you said this to me when we were talking the other day, but even like the 65 oh, part yes, is, yes. A, is not. Let's hit that. Okay. To be fair, for a very, very long time, we had interpreted the rock record. And I say we as like geologists over many years had kind of honed down on when we thought the mass extinction event was at 65 million years. So for a long, 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 long time, this is, you know, written in kids' books and everything all over the place. For quite a few years now, we had revised it to 65.5. I should probably not say we because I was involved in that. Um, So researchers uh, found that it was at probably a bit older, and then they did this massive study on the actual impact site itself. Like, drilled it down, they got very, very high resolution of everything and came up with, it's really actually 66 million years ago and pretty much at, like, 66.0. So that has been now revised into all the geologic timescales. There's actually an international commission that makes this all very official. So the official transition from the age of the dinosaurs into the era that we're in now is at 66 million years ago. So that now means 65 million years ago is actually after that extinction event. So the dinosaurs would actually all be dead and gone for a million years by that point. This really hasn't caught up with the popular media at all so far. So we constantly see 65 million as the end of the age of the dinosaurs all the time, even though it's more than 10 years since this revision. 
these things just kind of generally take a, a while before they kind of make their way into the public knowledge. So <laughs> now, I mean, now it's just going to perpetuate for even longer. Right? They must have known movie. it. Yeah. They must have known. Somebody Why along wouldn't... the way must have been like, oh, oh. Yeah, we're not changing. Anything. Easy, though. I mean, there's yeah. the logo. I mean, just they already have a six. Just mm-hmm. have it two 66. times. 66. Did they think it would sound satanic? Especially oh, after watching. for a horror vibe, though. Maybe that's not the worst thing. <laughs> Did you see the preview for the pre, no, what was it? The, oh, Pope's, the Pope's Exorcist? Exorcist, yes. No, that played too, yeah. <laughs> we thought that was it's really funny yeah. and confusing. Yeah. Because the Pope, there wasn't a Pope that seemed possessed, you know? Oh, or yeah, was it the make Pope it sound like the Pope the demon? an exorcism, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the see one that. about the vampire thing? Like my employer? Yeah, yeah. Yes, that looks hilarious. That I want to see. That looks really, yeah. really fun, definitely. Yeah, it's, I think we'll all be seeing that. It's a perfect for sure. role for Nick yes. Cage, too. Yeah. Um, what about Dungeons and Dragons? Did you see that? Did. Um, it looked kind of funny. Like, it looks yeah. kind of funny. They, they did make a Dungeons and Dragons movie in like the 90s, and it was... It was pretty bad. It's interesting to kind of come to that again. And, and they're clearly trying to make it both epic and, and fun and, you know, not necessarily a super serious kind of movie. And that's fine. I'll watch it for sure. And I'm, I'm a fan of the genre. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Okay. What about Asteroids? Yeah, so they sort of the premise seemed to be that they kind of were going through this like field of stuff. One of these rocks knocks their ship down and they have to crash land on Earth. So that both the ticking clock aspect to it is tied to the fact that they're even in this situation in the first place. So I do like kind of that narratively how those things all go together. And, you know, that sort of naturally puts them in this place at this time. It is pretty circumstantial, but, you know, that's fine. I don't know enough about Space Rocks to know that, you know, if like would there have been a cloud of debris around the big one that actually causes that a logical thing that we'd expect? We certainly get like meteor showers. We get clusters of stuff come down to Earth at one time. That is a thing. So I suppose it's not too much of a reach from my viewpoint, at least. There could have been other things around this big rock. And then there's just one really big one that came down. So I like that it played in and I like that it played in in a a way that made sense for the plot. Is it settled that it was an asteroid that killed the dinosaurs? To me, yes. There is this debate that gets brought in quite a bit that volcanoes were a big part of it, and they might have been a factor, but the coincidence of timing is just overwhelmingly supportive that the asteroid was the catalyst that ended everything. When you look at kind of when volcanoes were doing a lot, there there was a lot of volcanic activity. You see a lot of that in sort of the lead up and then like not a lot at the, the very end, and then it picks up again after. So it's something that might have created different sort of climate and the the content of the atmosphere itself might have changed enough to sort of make it maybe not the best place to be anyway. And then this big rock kind of really throws a wrench in the works. The fact that when we see the layer of dust created by the meteor itself is literally a line in the rock and you see dinosaurs below it and you don't see them above it seems very, very conclusive in my mind that this is the reason that those things died out in the end so but every now and then people like to throw up volcanoes again and i'm sure it'll happen at least seven more times but so you're a big marvel fan yeah i only 
always thought you were a DC. I am actually person. much more of a DC person, although I absolutely Not love that Marvel. I know. Okay. Honestly, reality is I just love the comic book genre and every like I in even more specifically the superhero genre. It's something that's been near and dear to me. It's been a big part of my childhood. I did grow up as a more of a DC fan with the the Justice League and Superman, but I've been absolutely loving Marvel alongside all of that. And I will say the the Marvel Cinematic Universe has has been a great sense of joy for me. Like I've been loving everything that's been coming out of it. DC hasn't been doing as well with that. I'll I'll concede that point. But anyway, yes, Marvel absolutely love pretty much everything that they put out there. So you think they're just getting started? Because there's so many movies, and I have seen almost all of them, and I thought, okay, they're done. They're probably done. What could Adam Driver add to this? Right. But um, what do you think? There's, so there's a million more movies, things. And then they've like done tons of shows, and they got plans for even more shows and movies and, and delving into more and more parts of the, the Marvel Universe. There are thousands of characters within the Marvel Universe, and we've we've hit quite a few by now including a lot of the really well-known ones, but there's a lot of other ones that haven't been pulled off the shelf yet. And even take a character that hasn't had, you know, a lot of time to shine within the comics could be given a point to shine. So you could take an obscure character and really flesh them into something really interesting and profound. And this has happened within the comics to characters like Squirrel Girl that really weren't known very well at all, even within the comic universe. Then they got a creator come in and really pull that out and just expand this into just an amazing, well-centered character that fits amazingly well into the Marvel Universe. And I guarantee eventually, like, Squirrel Girl will get a time to shine. You could take a bunch of other characters like that and really explore new areas that we actually haven't seen yet. And because there's so much deep content that they can draw from, they could keep this going for as long as people are, are willing to keep going and, and getting the ticket and getting the Disney Plus subscription. And I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. So Marvel is forever. Do you have a favorite movie or show? Within, within the, the, Marvel. the Marvel side of things. As far as the, the really kind of profound and, and what they could do with the genre, I would say, you know, um, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame kind of really set the bar pretty high. But where I really had a lot of fun with it was in Captain America, the second one with the Winter Soldier, and then with the Civil War was also like a really fun exploration that was very much centered in storylines in the comics. And it was really, really fun to, to see those getting fleshed out in what, what are now kind of the earlier days of it all. Those are kind of confusing to me, I think, because I don't know the comics and there's just so many characters. I can't wrap my head around it. Like, I like the... I love... Black Panther, the first one, mm, yeah, yeah. Ant-Man. I like the comedy ones, Guardians of the Galaxy. Sure. There's like a newer like Kung Fu one. that Shang-Chi. That was, that was super good. good. Yeah. I really like, I feel like people have been kind of sleeping on that one too much because Shang-Chi is fantastic. Absolutely. Yes. Everyone yeah. should go see it. I mean, it bums me out a little bit. I haven't heard anything about him doing that again. And I'm like, oh, mm. come on, where's the Shang-Chi? Yeah, I think it can get bogged down because there's like a lot of sequels. There's a lot of content. And then the out sequels aren't always as good as like. It's true, it's true. With the, the Marvel Cinematic, they've been pulling characters from one storyline into another. And that's something that the comics has always done as well. And that's, you know, I would love to see Shang-Chi show up in somebody else's movie, even. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a standalone. Is there a million dollar dinosaur comic crossover that we should know about? 
Oh my gosh. So this is where Marvel really needs to go. And they did actually just make a cartoon show. So there is a fairly new comic that introduces a new character uh, alongside a classic character. So the classic character is Devil Dinosaur that got started in, don't quote me, the 1970s. Uh, it's basically a T-Rex. And he had a friend that was this kind of like primeval person. They re-envisioned this as this delightful partner to this new character, Lunella Lafayette, who's like this nine-year-old brilliant girl in New York City. And they're like this little duo and they just kind of solve all the, these kinds of problems together. She's, she's really, really smart and eventually gets to have this like very, very heartwarming relationship with a giant red T-Rex and they're in like New York City. And it's, it's just so much fun. So they just started a cartoon show for it called Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. And that is totally fun. It's something I would absolutely love to see brought into, into life, into live action. And it could be so much fun. It sounds like Clifford the Big Red Dog. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Big red friendly animal thing, yeah. A little bit. I'm going to check that out. A little bit more crime solving in there. Oh, I meant to that. It's a nice T-Rex that talks? It does not talk. Okay, okay. Um, He he does these very adorable, like, kind of noises, but that's about (laughs) as much as you get. The show is, uh, they made some sort of changes to kind of the structure of it all, but it's still keeps a lot of the heart of what that was. So the show's been fun, and I highly recommend the comics, too. I want to say one more thing about 65 before we leave it all together. I was very impressed with their technology that it's very waterproof. Yeah, they're very durable stuff overall. The fact that they got their, like, escape ship working again after crash landing (laughs) in itself is, yeah, they, they definitely made some good stuff on planet name i don't remember but they did say i thought it was samoyed like the dog that was the planet that they came from but Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know were you surprised when the t-rex played a crucial role in flipping it upright again i I don't know about you (laughs) but i I absolutely saw that coming yeah that was so obvious oh the thing's not facing the right way. How could they possibly... Oh, the T-Rex came in. There we go. So I, I was not particularly surprised by that, but you know, yeah. it's still kind of fun. Yeah, it was very easy to track everything that was going to happen. Yeah, they could have added some non-mediating dinosaurs. And some, like, yeah. Jurassic Park has some, like, nice moments with... Of course, yeah. The, the Like, the Triceratops yeah. you're talking about, the Brachiosaurus scene was another kind of heartwarming moment where they got to, like, bond with these things a little bit. It wasn't just They scary. were all just deadly. Just scary. Yeah. yeah. Nothing nice in there. But, I mean, it was a very tight 90 minutes. It's a you short know, movie. It's really, it really short. Is. And that's where, like, sometimes I watch a 90-minute movie, I'm like, I kind of want to see the two-hour version of this because it, oh, really? it might actually be better. Because sometimes, like, with the pacing in a 90-minute movie, like, you just got to keep everything going here, and you don't get nearly as much investment with that extra, like, 30 minutes to sit with the characters and what's happening and... I think if you had gotten to that, you could have had room for these little, like, heartwarming moments that might have gotten you a little bit more invested in, in the whole thing. Or they could have done more with the, the relationship, even yeah. more of that. that too, yeah. They probably ran out of money. They spent a lot on those effects. It's a lot know? of it, yeah. And um, it's not like a Disney movie or anything, so. Right, they didn't have Disney money. How did they it, do yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely and don't want to see a four-hour movie a in the theater, cast. but yeah, yeah, four people. Like, literally four people, and one of them yeah. you see for like two minutes. And like, dang, that's hardly anyone involved in this. We were puzzling over like, why were there people that were cryogenically frozen on the mission? If they were just exploring 
It wasn't really <laughs> explained per se. I kind of pictured it as Adam Driver was dropping off the team kind of thing. Like they were planning to do this very long term thing. So he had to go way out there with them and plan to come back and would take like a year to get there sort of thing. And maybe that's even why they brought their kid along because they're going to be there forever. So, you know, why leave them behind? So I kind of saw it as, yeah, all right, they're going to go really explore this other place for us. Maybe it'll pan out and I got to get them there and then I'll go home. I thought it was like a like a low cost airline. There you go. Like, you know, okay. like they don't want to staff it and they don't want to have like food service and stuff. So like just, just freeze, freeze them. them. Yeah. And then like he does his thing and then he goes back. If you get frozen as a like a kid, you don't grow. Those are just two last yeah, years. So just and... paused. Just just pause and then hit play again when you get there, I guess. I mean, there's kind of parallels there, too, with the original Alien movie, too, where there's it's kind of a similar scenario where you had a bunch of people frozen and they're traveling this very long distance. There they had a robot was effectively their, like, person in charge of the whole thing. But similarly, I like, guess just one guy, Adam Driver, to count on for everything and he was just sleeping when the asteroids hit he was yeah. just um which i guess has kind out. of a titanic vibe to it as well <laughs> it was like, oh yeah you're going through sleeping. you know through he an area sleeping on the titanic? it was at night wasn't it so, i have no idea you know who would know who oh. would know friend of the show craig yeah oh yeah oh. we have a friend craig who's written an entire alternative he has a, a t2 it's, he has a whole, he'll tell you about <laughs> not, it sometime. Not the Terminator sequel. No. But, uh, he has a whole, Titanic like, second too. story. I wonder if there's going to be a 65, too. Yeah, we're, I don't know how you make a sequel to that in the end. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to read, like, how much they spent on it and how it's going to do. Their budget was. It was our, like a low-budget sci-fi movie. So you have a podcast? Oh, Your no, own? I had one. You had uh, it might one. still be out there, but I kind of doubt it. It's called Squabbling Squibs. Uh, we, we did some fun sci-fi nerd stuff and always kind of centered in science. Well, it was fun for a while anyway. And you pop up here pop and there. Pop up on, on yeah. things here and there, yeah. So every now and then show up on other and things. And you have an Instagram channel, not channel, what's it called? handle uh, yeah account um, yeah you pop up in my social media feed every friday because it's fossil friday fossil fridays i do have i'm active on instagram twitter and tiktok as well so i'm at dr crocagator and you can see fossil friday so once a week i do some kind of fun cool thing typically something that we have at the science museum so i just talked about a pachycephalosaur this past friday we got thousands upon thousands of things so i'll be able to keep this one going for a, a long long time mm-hmm. so well thank you so much for joining yeah, us today fun. absolutely yeah first guest and if there is a 65 too um yeah for sure thanks for listening everyone Bye-bye. bye bye bye